This Week on Art of the Air features Andre and Francis Cachard discussing their recent trip to Africa and Brazil, discovering the art and artists there, plus Gallery Cachard's Black History Month exhibit, Connecting the Dots. Our spotlight is on Laporte County Symphony's side-by-side concert at Laporte High School's Performance Center on February 11th, plus audition details for 2023 Hoosier Star. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM and WVLP 103.1 FM. Our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming at WVLP.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available on our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our shows are available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for more information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome back to Art in the Air. He's from the LaPorte County Symphony. You've heard him many times before, the executive director, Tim King. And he's going to tell you about some of the things that are coming up that are important, the next concert, and maybe a little projection into what's coming up for the rest of the season. Tim, welcome back to Art in the Air Spotlight. Thank you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Well, we um, our next concert is going to be Saturday, February the 11th. This is a new concert for us. We've added a subscription concert in our series uh, for the 50th anniversary, and this is the new concert. So it will be Saturday, February the 11th at the new LaPorte High School Performing Arts Center. Well, it's three years old, but to us it's new because we've been trying to get in there for three years to play. Um, And so what we have done is Carolyn Watson, our music director, has invited the LaPorte High School Orchestra, as well as their wind ensemble, who will join us for the second half of the program. So we will, the, the LCSO will perform the first half of the program and then the students from the orchestra and the wind ensemble will be side by side with um, the performances uh, by Berlioz's Hungarian March, uh, Sibelius's Finlandia, um, and, and an encore there. Um, so it looks like we're going to have about 100 people on stage wow. at that point. This hall holds just shy of 900 people. Um, it has a floor that seats about close to 400 um, and then the balcony seats about close to 500. Um, it's very easy to get to um, and lots of nice parking. You don't have to worry about that. Um, you can get the tickets on our website at lcso.net uh, or people can go to Roxy Music on Lincoln Way in Laporte and get tickets or they probably can get tickets the evening of. Um, we do anticipate a very nice crowd for this concert. 
in addition to our subscribers and single ticket buyers, of course, we'll be having several parents, as you can imagine, oh, parents and grandparents and family members. When you have 50 extra people that are going to be on stage with you, we're going to have probably quite a few um, purchases there for the tickets. So I do encourage people to get those in advance if they can. We might not have that many on the night of to sell, but we're excited about it. Um, we, we've always had a good relationship with Laporte High School. They've been very kind to us in um, loaning us their band room um, or Tuesday night rehearsals, as well as some of their percussion equipment. And so this is going to be a really nice way of sort of us saying thank you to them um, and involving them and giving them some more publicity for their programs. Excellent. Well, you have something else coming up pretty soon, and it's the auditions for something special the LaPorte County Symphony does. We do. Um, we will have Hoosier Star auditions. Um, it just seems like Hoosier Star is kind of a year-round thing these days. <laughs> but the auditions are going to be March the 18th and 19th. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. We will put the information up on our website by February the 1st. It's not on there yet, but we're preparing the press release um, the audition applications, all this sort of thing, will be an online uh, reservation. We do, as I've said before, we have two categories. We have a youth category that's 17 and under and an adult category that's 18 and over. Uh, we will have audition judges that will choose five in each of those categories. And we've had anywhere from 60 to 90 people per year that audition for this. Um, and the good thing is, if you've been a finalist in the past but have not placed, you can audition again. Um, so we're also starting to see getting more people out in the state. Uh, it's not just become a Laporte or, or a Porter or a Lake County sort of thing. Uh, Terre Haute, uh, Fort Wayne. So we're getting we're getting people that are uh, down in New Albany, Indiana. They're across the river from Louisville. So we're getting people around the state that are starting to notice. And as I've said before, it's a thousand dollar prize for the winners in both those categories. But as each of the finalists will tell you, that's really not the prize. The prize is being able to sing with a live orchestra. So we really have 10 winners and all that. So we'll have those auditions on the 18th and 19th. And as soon as we get those up, we do encourage people to go on because if you're the first one to sign up for your audition, you get a better chance of the time of day that you wish to audition. So if you're a singer, you really don't want to audition at nine o'clock in the morning. You really want to audition at two o'clock in the afternoon. So you get you get the choices there um, if you're earlier as opposed to being later. And you as a vocalist would really know that, too, because. Uh, <laughs> yes, as someone who had church position for years and years and years woo, to get up early in the morning and. <laughs> Try to sing a Messiah at 9 a.m. in the morning is not the easiest thing to do in the world. So early, we'll give you some choices there. You have some other things coming up, too, Just uh, and we're going to come back and have you uh, on for these, but you have a couple other events coming down the road. We do. Uh, before Who's Your Star, we have a, a classical concert that we're going to be doing at the Holcraft Center in uh, Michigan City uh, with pianist Michael Chertok. Um, and all people need to do is go to michaelchertok.com. He's a fantastic pianist. He's one of these guys, he's going to play the Prokofiev Piano Concerto Number 1, but the night before, he's going to play a reception for some of our donors. And he's one of these people, he's kind of like a Marvin Hamlish, where, you know, sing me a few notes and I'll make you a song. Or what, what key do you want that song in? I've never seen someone who plays the classical end and that can play that end as, as well as he does. And he's just a great guy. Um, and then our last concert is going to be April the 22nd. And boy, that's going to be a real blowout. Not only do we have the Purdue Varsity Glee Club, we're also going to be having the Texas Tenors. So the Glee Club's going to be on the first half with the orchestra, and the Texas Tenors are going to be on the second half of the orchestra. Um, and you can get those tickets. All of these tickets are on sale on our website. So you can go to the website at lcso.net 
um, and get these tickets. Fabulous. Yeah. And uh, your ticket pricing is really very reasonable. Uh, you it know. is. I think it is anyway. It's $22 um, uh, and for adults, $20 for seniors. <laughs> Students with a valid ID get in for free. Now, the last concert will not be the same. We do have, we're selling individual tickets for that on the website. So you can go to the website, pick out your seat, and we have everything from 35 to 25 And we will not have free student admission on that one, unfortunately. Because we just know that we're going to be able to sell pretty much all the seats in the hall. And that will be the last concert before they put in new seating and air conditioning at the Civic Auditorium. Oh, my gosh. So we're Ooh. excited about that because the Hoosier Star will be air conditioned next year. That'll be a big upgrade. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air Spotlight, the side-by-side concert with the LaPorte County School Orchestra and Wind Ensemble. Is uh, February 11th, and you can get the information there at lcso.net. Tim, thank you so much for coming on Art of the Air Spotlight. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Always wonderful, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And a Spotlight Extra, Manifesting the Unseen. New work by Edwin Shelton is running through March 9th at Indiana University Northwest School of Arts Gallery. On both February 12th and 19th, there will be a special viewing with the artist present in the gallery. Art on the Air Spotlight and the full one-hour Art on the Air program on Lakeshore Public Radio is brought to you by Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And as a reminder, if you'd like to have your event on Art on the Air Spotlight or have a longer feature interview, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. We are pleased to welcome back to Art on the Air, Andre and Francis Guichard. They are both accomplished artists in their own right and are the owners of Gallery Guichard, now in its 18th year. The gallery is located in the Chicago Bronzeville Art District. When we first visited with Francis and Andre, the conversation was about both of them. Now, we are so excited to hear about their upcoming exhibit for Black History Month, Connect the Dots, related to tracing the African diaspora. And we are also looking forward to details about your recent trip to Africa and your vibrant bridge program. Aloha and welcome to both of you. Hello. How, Hello. How are you, both of you doing? Good to talk to both you and Larry and Esther just brings up old memories of working with you over the years. So we are very thankful for this opportunity to share our creativity in our recent journey. Yes, very excited. And we should say that you're on the road now traveling to Florida for your to show your artwork, both yours and Francis. That's correct. That is correct. Our yearly travel, we do this every first quarter of the year, go to Boca Raton, and it's it's a humbling experience because as an artist with your art practice, you know, when you're in your local market, sometimes it's easy to rest on your laurels. But this start of the year in a different market with new customers is always a fresh, humbling experience where you get a chance to talk about the inspiration behind the work and meet new, new collectors for the first time. So we're excited to actually have been creating and our next travel and exhibit this weekend in Boca Raton, Florida. 
That sounds great. And uh, so we're catching you on the road, but we want to move on. Uh, the last time we had you on was for our 2021 uh, New Year's Eve show. So just maybe briefly tell us a little about each other, just to remind our audience, and then we'll move on to your current uh, exhibits and your whole new program with the uh, Bridge and Connecting the Dots. Well, I am Frances Guichard, also known as the artist Marlene Campbell. I am an artist, collector, co-owner, and curator of Gallery Guichard. And we're excited because, um, you know, I have been painting since 2004. Um, I was under the tutelage of my husband, Andre, where I learned the uh, mechanics and the art of painting. And I have perfected my uh, art, art over the years and have been selling uh, in various places around the world. So I'm so excited that people are engaging with my work and that they uh, really appreciate what I put out. And I usually do mostly landscapes, and uh, I use the texture of sand and acrylic paint, mixed media. And I've been very excited to have done a lot of non-objective abstracts lately, which have been going as well. And um, I guess I'm just so excited that this is, you know, you guys are having us on talk about this. That's great. And Andre, about you, and I also read something, you, know, you were uh, the mayor of Bronzeville, so you can tell us a little about that also, but uh, give us a quick uh, thumbnail of your background. Definitely, and thank you again for this opportunity. We are always excited to be on the show and share our cre- creativity. My story is I am a South Side of Chicago artist, born and raised on the South Side in the Rosemore area, which is near the Pullman District. And grew up in a house where my dad, Alfred Guichard, painted, and he was also a sculptor. So growing up in a house with an artist, you don't realize it in the moment, but it definitely affected me. And I continued with my desire to want art in my space was really how it happened. And I had borrowed and taken as many paintings from my my parents' home after I graduated, and I was still lacking many open wall spaces. So I decided to start creating to fill the wall space of my own home. And within a short period of time, people were asking me about my work. And I challenged myself because at that time I was working full-time in corporate America, but that burning passion to want to create had taken over me as I started to really discover my fingerprint and challenge myself that if ever my art sales equaled my day job, I would really consider quitting and becoming a full-time artist. So it actually happened in about an eight-year period. And at that point, I became a full-time studio artist and continued to work with many Southside artists, setting up pop-up exhibits. And that role eventually led me to a curator's position at the South Shore Cultural Center Fine Art Gallery in the late 90s, and that would run for about a five-year period where it grew to our collector base at the South Shore Cultural Center Gallery grew so much that it actually made me start really writing a business plan about opening Gallery Guichard. And I would later meet Francis Guichard and Stephen Mitchell, our 
business partners with Gallery Gishard, and it really became a model of collectors, art uh, administrators, and artists collaborating for an experience with the gallery. And within uh, a short 18 years, it has actually become one of the premier galleries, not just in Chicago, but around the country. And both of us have been able to continue our art practice. So my art practice as an artist deals in non-objective in a non-objective series, a jazz series, landscape series, and I continue to grow, but keep adding to all of the previous series that have been a success over the last 30 years, with over 2,500 paint, paintings and collections locally around the country and around the world. In addition to our work as artists, with our art practice and Gallery Guichard as member managers, we also understand the importance of collaboration as a entity and giving back. And our biggest collaboration that we're most happy about is the Bronzeville Art District, which a year after opening the gallery 18 years ago, we formed the Bronzeville Art District, and it is now in its 17th year, and we have double-decker buses that travel around the neighborhood between June and October, and you can jump on and off, and we'll be doing it again this year. It'll be our 17th year, and we have as many as 1,500 people come out from around the city. Our second most impressive thing for us in terms of part of our journey is the ability to give back. Building Community Foundation is an extension of Gallery Gishar where the mayor and first lady of Bronzeville designation that Francis and I <laughs> were given by the alderman and defender newspaper has been one of the most moving parts of our work because it does really give us an opportunity to give back. And every year we do an all-white party in July, the mayor and first lady of Bronzeville Ball, and we donate to local nonprofits. And to date, we've donated 54000 So our work is very exciting, but it is the bridge program that we'll talk more about that continues to excite us. And we just came back from Tanzania, and I'm sure Francis would love to start talking about that. Oh, yes. Tanzania was amazing. Go ahead, Francis. Tell us about Tanzania. Well, Tanz you know, Tanzania is part of our bridge uh, program where we take on uh, in flight and go over to places through the diaspora, where the diaspora, basically, where people of African descent have moved around the, the world. And as you know, due to slavery or even through people migrating and moving about, people from the continent of Africa have moved to many places. And we've gone to places uh, like Brazil, South Africa, Egypt, ten, uh, Egypt, Seychelles. We've been to uh, Senegal, Cuba, Cartagena, and many other places that we are still investigating to go to. But the most recent one is Tanzania and or the Republic of Tanzania and uh, Zanzibar. And the Republic of Tanzania used to be Tanzania, which then combined with Zanzibar to create the Republic of Tanzania. 
And we went to Dar es Salaam initially. That was our first stop along the route where we met artists there who produced work on a regular basis. And there's such a variety of work that, you know, was it was so easy to just fall in love with the pieces that we saw and be able to select over 40 pieces between the Dar es Salaam and Zanzibar that we brought back to Chicago for an exhibit that we'll be having during Black History Month in February, February 17th. That's the third Friday of the month from 6 to 9 p.m. But in Tanzania, you know, there was so much to see and do. Um, even outside of the arts, we also were able to travel to the Serengeti and do a safari. And then in Zanzibar, there's scuba diving. We did scuba diving, and we also were able to go through uh, Stonetown, which is an area in Zanzibar that was created by the Arab people during uh, the 181700 and the area actually was a part of the east coast african slave trade and that's something we learned while we were there everybody always talks about the slave trade on the west but the arab people enslaved african people on the east of africa taking them to places in the middle east as they call it and then in europe like london so there's so much history there, and it's unfortunate, you know, that those types of things happen. But out of that, the people in Zanzibar and Tanzania and, and, and uh, Tanzania have really done amazing things. It's a beautiful city. It's really a first-class, up-and-coming, burgeoning, you know, city with lots of activity, and the people are amazing. And I would add lots and lots of art and we were just overwhelmed with the landscapes of Zanzibar, but the depiction of them really make you feel like you're right there on the Indian Ocean, as well as just the way that they use color. So the whole concept of the bridge program was partly because of our own un miss, not so much misinformation, but just lack of information as much as anything about the African continent, as well as for African Americans who are descendants, just who you are and the fact that the culture of African people and the civilization did not start with slavery or when slavery started. It pre-existed and predated, which we found and we find in our travels during these missions as we found in Egypt, it was also a recent uh, exchange where we found art and amazing artists. But this trip also opened our eyes up to just my own personal understanding of my heritage that I have Bantu in my DNA and genealogy and what that means and what we learned while we were in Tanzania, even though my genealogy says that my uh, genes are from the West Coast in Nigeria or the Benin area, what we found was striking resemblance to people on the East Coast. And because mm. my genealogy is Bantu, the Bantu tribes moved around quite a bit. And it's something to come in contact with DNA and you 
see the resemblance of your family, friends, and people in general. But I've also found that in the Seychelles, when we did our exchange there, as well as on the West Coast. So the travels actually not only help us to find amazing art and artists, but it also helps us to learn and understand our own history better and how colonialism and institutionalized racism on this content actually worked hand in hand where a lot of the things we find in the artwork deals with the same issues that people of the African diaspora have, whether they're on the content or in the United States or on the continent of Brazil that actually has more African people than the United States because there were more slaves that went to Brazil than the United States. So these travels open our minds and open us up to history that we often don't get in the West, in addition to helping artists from around the world in the African diaspora understand that we are all connected. So, Andre, I read that Chicago has one of the highest populations of Tanzanian people. And so did you have, when you went to Tanzania, did you have a particular artist in mind or did you meet everybody fresh when you went there? We actually met everyone fresh. And this exchanged like many others in other countries, um, we found it to be less difficult to get past what we call the airport art. So oftentimes when we travel into many countries, there is accessible art at the airports, but it's what we found made more for tourists. But as you dive deeper and ask questions and explore and, you know, travel around, you get leads and tips on where the art communities are. And that's exactly what we did in this trip and what we've done in many others. But we were able to get past the airport art, as you would say, pretty quickly, <laughs> just because of the density of this country with close to 4 million people and the amount of artists that were there. So it was very exciting and at the same time rewarding because oftentimes we'll travel not knowing and not always have the amount of options of different types of art that we found here. And so for both of you as artists, um, did this trip, do you feel that it's inspired like a different color palette for you? What was, I mean, like uh, the Serengeti just sounds, I mean, oh my gosh, that trip must have oh been amazing. Yeah. I mean, we wear several hats, so as an artist, I can tell you for myself, and I'll start with that. As an artist, the colors, the amount of life. I mean, we saw the big five maybe just coming from the airport to our hotel. I mean, it was just teeming with life. And, you know, we all watch TV and or watch National Geographic, and you hear about things like the Great Migration, and it just seems like a thing, but to be there up close and personal in those surroundings and that environment was really quite inspiring about just the survival and how we all have a place in life and the way God made life is just pretty ironic to see it firsthand there because so much life and hierarchy, but the colors and 
the diversity of the landscape of Tanzania, because you do have the Serengeti, which is lush and rich and full of life and full of greenery, but then there are areas that aren't as green and lush and how the animals find the water where a lot of the activity centers around water and where the water is. But then the contrast between Zanzibar and the Serengeti also opens you up to so many different hues of blue in the Indian Ocean that it would just be breathtaking in addition to how the gravity and the tides move in and out to such a degree every day. It was just so much about nature that it was inspiring, so it has greatly affected my landscape series, which since the trip, I've created five pieces, and two of them are being exhibited in Boca Raton. The other two were part of commission. And just being in the environment and the way that nature uses color and the abstract skies were extremely inspiration for my work. And I'll let Frances talk about how Tanzania inspired her work. Yes, it, it did the same for me. It was so inspiring that I painted a series, um, another piece on the um, Maasai, the Maasai people, and it sold immediately. And I also did a piece uh, in the area where we were staying. There was a beach uh, um, where, you know, the tide went out and you could actually see the tide go out for miles. So you could actually walk on the bottom of the ocean. And the piece depicts the area of the the beach that extended out because of the tide that went back out into the ocean. And then it shows the landscape and then the various, Andre, as Andre mentioned, the various blue hues in the ocean. So it's also a, a piece that talks about the sky because when you look at the, the land, the ocean, and the sky, how it all comes together in beautiful colors. And so I painted that and, you know, and the various other pieces similar to that that sold already. And we just got back. So people are <laughs> loving the work that we're producing from our travels as well. And I might add at that on that beach, when the tide comes back in, you either we wait it, you can, you know, walk through the water. And as the tide continued to rise, you had to boat. You could no longer walk. So it really is an amazing phenomenon of nature that, you know, shows us that it's, you know, nature is in control and there's the earth is three quarters worth of water. So it's amazing to be able to paint that and be able to bring that experience back to the people, you know, who are who aren't able to travel. You're listening to Art on the Air, with our guests today, Andre and Francis Gachard of Gallery Gachard in Chicago on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. And as a reminder, if you'd like to have your event on Art on the Air Spotlight or have a longer feature interview, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com. 
Do you keep a record of, like you were saying how you sold pieces on the fly like that, but do you at least record the piece that you did like with a, a photo or something so you had, have that at least for your own uh, you know, record? Because it seemed like uh, that's fantastic. You'd paint a piece and do something on the road like that and it goes, but yeah, it'd be kind of nice to also be able to say, well, this is what I did when I was there. I, I, I think- did actually, but I painted it when I got back. Okay. So yeah. when I, I got back, I was able to take my memory and I think that's the best way to do it as opposed to me looking at it at the time. I love to bring, come back and use my memory so that I don't forget about the travels. And then I paint it based on my inspiration and my memory and my feelings that are, you know, purged out and put, put on canvas. Do you work from a photograph maybe sometimes that you shot while you were there and then paint from that? Or you do it strictly from your memory? Um, a little bit of both. Sometimes I'll take a picture of something and just kind of make sure I gather um, some of the things I may have, you know, liked about the space or the area that we were in and then be able to use that as my, you know, um, direction on, on where I want to go. So I, I want to, if we can talk about connecting the dots, I know that you told me that you're having um, four different areas, Tanzania, South Africa, Bahia, Brazil, and Nigeria. Can you talk about the artists that will be involved in connecting the dots? So every time that we do a buyer's mention to different parts of the African diaspora, we maintain a connection and allow the artists a international platform, which in many cases is also a platform with a higher exchange rate. So there's just a host of things that these opportunities provide. But most importantly, the artists continue to evolve and those series that initially spoke to our market and spoke to us as collectors and gallerists continue to evolve. So one of the artists in particular, Francis Tabanda, was from one of our exchange programs to South Africa close to 10 years ago. And we've continued to watch his work develop, progress, and at the same time, his collector base in Chicago and around the country has continued to grow. But this new work that was part of Connect the Dots is amazing, and I'll just give a little teaser because part of his fingerprint, what caught my eye, was he actually uses oil paint tubes as part of his subject. So typically the torso of a subject will be a paint tube, and the paint tube, when I saw his work, I realized it's universal because here we were in Grahamstown, South Africa at an art fair, and he was outside and I remember seeing his work wasn't really part of the main exhibit, but I noticed the paint tube because I recognized the brand of the tube, which immediately spoke to me like, I recognize that brand. And it was part of the subject. So that series is part of the work that he has sent, as well as the new work that feels more like a cross between pointillism and mosaic, but with acrylic. So just really exciting, and that's uh, the work from South Africa, but we'll also have some of our artists from Nigeria that we've been working with, and I'll mention one, Abiola Akintola is a Nigerian artist who has actually been in the Chicago 
Chicagoland area for 30 years now, and we've been working with him. But he would have been what I would say our first artist from the diaspora that worked with the gallery and continues to work with us and also is the mentor of many young Nigerian artists that have come to the gallery and are some of our top artists. But Abiola's work, he has a new body of work that involves painting on acrylic sheets with acrylic paint. So I'm really excited because he continues to come out with new series while continuing to evolve on tangent on his existing fingerprints, which he has at least five series that we work with him on in the gallery. And those are two artists, and I'll let Grant mention some of the other uh, Nigerian artists, including Stephen Olalakin. Okay, Stephen Olalakin is a young African artist from Nigeria. He's like 33 years old, has an amazing, diverse fingerprint. He will do some that are uh, pieces that are acrylic, mixed media, but he'll also do some amazing work with charcoal where he uses the charcoal, smears it, and then it's, it's covered so that it doesn't come off of, on your fingers. You know how charcoal, usually you have charcoal and you paint, you uh, uh, draw with charcoal and then you, the smudge will come off. Well, he's able to seal it, but also create a, a, the, the way he seals it and smears it, it's called scarification. He uses that as a metaphor of scarification to show the beauty of the African people and their culture. And scarification is the, actually when you take a knife and you scar the face or the body part in order to show the tribe or beauty marks, or it may also be able to talk about who you are status within your tribe. So he uses that in his painting to make it, and it looks so beautiful. Um, he paints the women with hair of the natural African hair that we all have. And it makes you feel proud as an African-American woman to be able to wear your hair in its natural state. And then we also have um, Paulo Honda from Brazil. Paulo Honda is an artist that we met through our, during our travels in the Takara that uh, his work was just so amazing. We waited around in order to meet him because he was out. So we waited at least an hour or so in order to make sure we got a chance to meet him and then to get some of his, of his work. And the most recent pieces, he's, everything he sent or we brought back from uh, Brazil, we've sold, of course, because all of these are top sellers. And Paulo recently sent some work, and it was in regards to, and I hope I don't butcher this title, it's in uh, Portuguese, but it's Quilombola. And Quilombola is a resident of the Quilombola area in Brazil. And Quilombola is an Afro-Brazilian resident of the, the settlement, first established by escaped slaves in Brazil. So there's so much history around you know, slavery, the inhumane treatment of people from Africa, but the resilience of people, and it shows the beauty of the people, and his pieces were amazing with color and the headdress and the earrings and the natural features of people from Africa that you it really starts connecting all the dots of where we've been and the diaspora 
spreading out all over the world. I'll ask this to both of you. Is there an area that you of diaspora that you haven't yet explored that you want to? I mean, you've gone to Africa, you've gone to Brazil and South America, but uh, other regions of the world that you want to explore that? Yeah. I think that's such a good question. And every time we go to the continent, we are either uh, informed from other people from the continent about places we should be and want to go, uh, whether it's artistically or culturally or historically. So on the continent, on our short list is definitely Ghana and um, Rwanda. Rwanda. And that will add to the other seven countries we've been. But what we also uh, have learned and continue to learn, for example, Bahia, Brazil, has more people of African descent than anywhere else besides the African continent. So it was through that journey that we learned, and I learned specifically, that there were more slaves in the Western slave trade that went to Brazil than the United States. And the culture there was very obvious of the influence, even though I never knew it. So I think uh, the more we travel and the more we learn where we need to go. But just as in Colombia, when you know, we went to Cartagena, we could see, again, the African diaspora influence and the art there, again, spoke to the use of color and the same things from a Cubist style that you see in Nigerian art. Uh, even the art that Picasso mentioned on his deathbed that influenced his work, the antique African art. So you see all these characteristics, the use of color, just so many similar things that it's almost the same way we find the similarities as we go to these different places and countries in the African diaspora that are in the food. So my family, Guichard, is from New Orleans, and gumbo is very special to any Louisiana a family member and the similarities to the taste of many of the dishes around the African diaspora to our gumbo. And Seychelles had a dish, Bahia, Brazil had a dish, and you could not tell me it was not the same. But the way they did it was as unique as the fingerprints as how different families have their roots and how they approach their roots. It's still a little different, but also very similar. found that to be the same way that we find similarity in the art, the use of color, cubism, and different things that we also find as culture spread, take our food and our art. And one of the things I found uh, traveling um, and looking at art, there's so many um, different fingerprints. And a lot of it is historical as well. So when you look at Egypt and you think about, you know, the the area, the people, how long Egypt has been in existence, you can see how their art has uh, become part of that history. And the, the Arab influ- influence as well as the African influence all kind of comes together in their art. And, of course, we brought back artwork from Egypt that sold as well. And so 
it's it's a chance and an opportunity for us to share stories uh, about the places we go, the history we learn, and the information on the ground as opposed to just someone telling you what they want you to know. And then we're also able to share information about the United States and um, African Americans here to be able to tell them how we are in the United States because most times what happens is they see or know information on what they see on television. They don't actually know very many people from uh, the USA and they don't know very many African Americans from the USA. A lot of people travel from Europe and they come down and they, they actually vacation in the east of Africa. But when it comes to, you know, African-Americans, there are very few of us that actually travel to those locations. So it's really an, a nice opportunity to be able to share information as well. And so, again, it's bringing and connecting those dots because information isn't just one way. It actually goes both ways. And it allows us to share that and be able to uplift and to educate people about who we are as African-American people, and then in turn, educate the African-Americans in the USA about the African people. And any misnomers are dispelled so that we can really share true information that you know enlightens people and then hopefully encourages people to want to travel to these other locations as well. You're listening to Art on the Air, where our guests today, Andre and Francis Gachard of Gallery Gachard in Chicago, on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. Speaking of the travel, I think that is one of the biggest learnings from our journeys is the misrepresentation geographically of different countries in Africa and in terms of either how modern or accessible or, you know, how friendly to travel it is. And I think that's the other part that if you love beauty and nature, it is some of the most breathtaking visual aesthetic experiences from a traveling standpoint, whether it's Hawaii or the Caribbean. And, you know, we've been to enough places to just say, bottom without question no place compares to the geographic abundance in nature that you find in some of the different countries in addition to what we find in the art so it's it's just really eye-opening and as an artist we encourage more artists to travel just because of how it opens your mind but historically and culturally it does the same too well, with this being Black History Month in February, tell us a little bit about what's going on in the gallery. I know you have, uh, we just interviewed her, uh, Delama Hansen, and she had an exhibit there, but tell us some of the things you have planned in the gallery for Black History Month. So we have a very exciting month planned, and it is, for us, the time of year we start really coming back and opening back up to the community in the sense that we take uh, December off for the most part, but Last month, we started back with Artini, which is a monthly art networking event that is usually centered around the opening, preview, or closing of one of our exhibits. So the, this month, 
the second Thursday of February, which is February 17th. No, the week before that is Artini. Oh, Artini. And that is on February 9th. We have Artini from 6 to 9 p.m. And that will actually give you a chance to preview the exhibit that opens the following week, Connect the Dots. And that exhibit is the most recent update to our exchange program. And that will cover the travels that we just took on our trip to Tanzania. And it will include three artists from Tanzania and it will cover a range of works from landscapes to traditions of the Maasai, as well as just individual approaches to portraits that I think has a unique twist, the way they use color. In addition to that, we will also enjoy new works by previous exchange artists from South Africa, Nigeria, and Bahia. And the Connect the Dots exhibit will run for two months and it, it will also so include a virtual exhibition catalog. This will be virtual exhibition catalog number 29, which means if for some reason you cannot attend the opening on the third Friday of February, February 17th from 6 to 9 p.m., you can actually enjoy the exhibit by dropping into the gallery virtually on our virtual exhibit catalog. It'll allow you to walk around and see the works at your leisure. You can touch the matter tag button and it'll give you the title medium artist. In addition to that, while we were in Tanzania, each artist in each studio that we collected work from, we either spoke with the artist or the gallerist so that you'll also be able to enjoy a five to ten minute artist talk at your leisure for each of the different artists. This we have found through COVID to be not just about aesthetics, but more about uplifting people because you really get a chance to sink into the motivation, the inspiration behind the work and make real connection. And this for us was one of the things that COVID created and fixed a problem that we couldn't fix, and that problem was as the time has gone by from year one to year 18, and our popularity grew, what we found were our biggest challenge was many of the collectors who supported us early on were not able to get that one-on-one -on -one attention to, with the artists or with us because of the crowd. So what the virtual exhibit catalog allow us to do is with your family, on your leisure, you can spend 15, 30 minutes one-on-one -on -one with the artist. And we typically have that information available before the exhibit starts, but even afterwards, biography, long, detailed conversations that are often difficult to have at an opening because everyone's pulling on the artist. So <laughs> we're very excited about February and the new exhibit coming highlighting our recent exchange and allowing you to feel the just the beauty of the landscape. And I think that has been some of the most um, breathtaking work that I've seen landscape-wise from some of our travels because it is just 
drop dead beautiful day. Yes, there's one artist called Mahunzi. Oh, I was just saying there's one artist that we met in Tanzania um, on the island of Zanzibar. His name was Mahunzi, and his work is is called uh, Mama Africa. And just the colors when we walked by just resonated with us and, and just jumped out and we had to have that piece. So that piece will be featured in the, the show as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask, are you still collaborating with One Two Prue? And um, are you going to continue to curate with a artist roster if you are continuing with that curation? Well, we are in talks with uh, Sterling Bay now, and it won't be at One Two Prue, but maybe at one of their other locations. So there's more to come. Hopefully you'll hear something soon from us uh, in regards to that. But we have some amazing artists that we, we're, you know, presenting and some amazing work that we hope that everybody will love and be able to be shown in those locations. And that was really a, a big first for us because just sometimes access to contracts that put artists of the African diaspora in front of such a diverse crowd and a, a crowd that is norm, normally frequents Michigan Avenue and those tenants. And what we found was that our art and art of the African diaspora is not monolithic, meaning it is not all only black portraits, but a wide range of landscapes, non-objective abstracts, and that exhibit really showed when given the opportunity how it just totally changed the space and the response was amazing because while those works were for rent they we still allowed people who saw the work the opportunity and over 60 percent of the 30 pieces on exhibit sold from that display and i think that's just an example of how when given the opportunity our art and artists actually, you know, has the same effect as given any opportunity that we're given in the world that we can really contribute in a really meaningful and substantial way. So it's a project that we're very exciting and we'll be hearing more about in 2023 at the new location. Well, you know, we hate to do this. We only have about one minute left, but we want to give you the opportunity to, to find out about... Uh, location uh, and new location, contact information, website, and where they can see the, uh, the virtual talk. So tell us about how to find you guys online and then maybe come in person. Absolutely. We are located in Bronzeville at 436 East 47th Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60653. And our website is gallerygishard.com. And there you can find information about our artists, our virtual exhibition catalogs, and upcoming events. And our next event is going to be February 9th, and that is going to be Artini from 6 to 9 p.m. And then February 17th, which is a Friday, we're going to uh, have our opening of our Black History Month exhibit, Connecting the Dots, the Diaspora. And we're also, uh, that goes from 6 to 9 p.m. So we would love everyone to come out check out our website and continue to enjoy. And if they are interested in getting on our email list, they can email us at gallery that's G U I C H A R D gallery social at gmail.com. 
And thank you so much for having us on. We truly appreciate this and we had so much fun with you guys. It's easy as one, two, three. If you've missed any of the two years of exhibits, all 28 exhibits are still there virtually for you to walk and explore, as well as artist talks and public art. So we're very grateful for this opportunity to share our creativity, and we look forward to working with you guys more in the future. Sounds great. Yeah. Andre and Francis Gachard, they're on the road, so they're doing an interview with yeah. Mother Drying from Gallery Gachard. We'd like to thank you so much for coming on Art in the Air and sharing up what you're having coming up in February. Thank you so much. Yeah. Safe travels and all love always. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care and keep it up. We'd like to thank our guests this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at WVLP.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio, and Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. We'd like to thank our current underwriters for Art in the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker, and for WVLP, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art on the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good, and you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. If you're interested in being a guest or sending us information about your arts, arts-related event or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com. Or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. Show the world your heart, express yourself through art, and show the world your heart.